You're listening to the Mount Pleasant Podcast. To learn more about our church, visit us online at www.mpbc.church. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon, just the heart. You promise. I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ. <laughs> hey, wait! <laughs> your water? You forgot your um. And that's what happens when you meet Jesus. <laughs> you leave your water. No, nothing else matters. Jesus said to her in that clip, I love that, The Chosen. It's free on YouTube. They do such a wonderful job showing how Jesus might have interacted there with the Samaritan woman. He said, it would be good if you believe me. <laughs> that might be the understatement of the universe. Because if we choose to place our trust in Jesus, we get heaven. We get Him. And we get Him now. Do you believe? Did you see when the Samaritan woman believed the way they portrayed it there? Did you catch that? She was looking at Jesus and then she went, I've seen that. <laughs> I can't see it now. There's nobody in here. It kills me. We will be back. But, but, but I've, I've, I've seen that moment. It, it's, it's that, it's that, it's that moment. I, I've watched people's faces right in this room. I've watched them maybe not paying attention, maybe on their phone, maybe staring at the ceiling, counting the tiles, looking around, and all of a sudden they begin to listen. And then all of a sudden they're locked in, and then it happens. <gasps> their mouth might drop, 
tears might come into their eyes. And they believe. I'm not saying that has to happen in every case. Sometimes it might not be visible on the face. But when you encounter Jesus, He changes you. Do you believe? Have you had that moment in your life where you It's really true. And you believe? You must in order to be saved. You see, to believe in Jesus is more than just using the intellect. It is that. We must believe the truth of who He is. Believing in Jesus is more than just learning a bunch of facts and taking a true-false test and getting a 70. It's not about IQ. It's not about intelligence. We talked about that last week. Being a follower of Jesus Christ is coming to the place that not only do we believe intellectually, but our hearts are wrenched. And we realize, like the Samaritan woman, no one wanted her. And Jesus said, I came here for you. Could it be, could it be that you're watching today because Jesus has drawn you to this place Being a follower of Jesus is coming to that place where you realize you're a sinner and you understand you have nowhere to turn but Jesus. He's the only one who can. It's what we were singing. We realize He's our only hope. And it's that, it's that place that we can receive Him, repent of our sins by faith. This morning we're going to see that moment, that by way of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Turn with me there in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I hope you will turn there with me. Get a Bible, find a Bible. There's something cool still holding a Bible. I, I mean, I know you can look at it on your phone, but there's just something about the pages of Scripture. I, I know I'm, sometimes I just, I like to smell my Bible. <laughs> I say, you're nuts. Yeah, I am. Turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We continue in our series today, A Life Worth Living. According to John chapter 6, that Samaritan woman had a miserable life. Wouldn't you agree? I think almost anyone would admit that. She had been ostracized by her community. She's bounced around from relationship to relationship to relationship. She'd had five husbands, and the man she was living with at the time was not her husband. No doubt she was living a life of confusion and pain, yet Jesus came to her. He went through Samaria just for her. And we were singing that. You like that new song? Graves into Gardens. I want you to see the lyrics. I, that, that woman's life 
was a grave. And what does Jesus do when we believe in him? See it? He turns, you turn mourning to dancing. He, that's the Lord Jesus. You give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. And you're the only one who can. Jesus did this for me in my life. I've told you that story. I was at Appalachian State. I was walking to a class on the campus of Appalachian and Jesus said to me, Kevin, are you going to follow me or not? I chose. See, listen, I had made a profession of faith when I was 10 years old. A lot of people do that. They make a profession of faith when they're a kid and they hit their teenage years and they wander. They're not locked in. I wasn't locked in. And Jesus said, are you going to follow me or not? Just like the woman at the well. He came to me, not at a well. He came to me in my spirit. And I said, yes. And you know what? People look at people like me, like the Samaritan woman. She left her water pots, and even the disciples, they're coming back from getting food there in the town, and they go, hey, 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 you left your, you left your water. And people look at us like we're crazy because we worship someone we cannot see. And they say, man, they've lost their minds. Church family, the world looks at us and they see that we worship a man who died on the cross. Remember that from last week? They look at a scene like that and they say, that is foolish and yet that is the wisdom of God. That's the payment for sin. The world's wisdom and God's wisdom are two different things. We're going to see that even deeper today in the second part of our message about wisdom. And we're going to see and feel the impact of this. You've made your way there. 1 Corinthians 2, pick up with me now, verse number 6. We're going to read through verse 16. You ready? Here we go. Yet among the mature we do impart, there's the word, wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. Don't you love that? These things, verse 10, God has revealed to us through the, see it? Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Verse 12. Now we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. This is speaking of a saved person. 
The natural person, that's the unsaved person, does not accept these things. You get that? They don't understand the Spirit of God, for they are all folly to that person, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. They think we're nuts. Verse 15, oh, but the spiritual person judges all things, but is in himself judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Church family, the believers at Corinth had forgotten the cost of their salvation. They had gotten their eyes off the cross. They were a divided people, squabbling like babies arguing over a toy. They were arguing over who was greater, Paul or Apollos or Cephas. They were on the milk. They had lost the joy of following Christ because they were looking to the world and the things of the world to make them happy. Are you, Christian, are you looking to the things of the world to bring you joy? They can't. Only Christ can bring joy, a joy that is unspeakable and a peace that the human mind can barely even comprehend. Paul called the Corinthian church to be mature. Jesus wants us to be mature. And we can. We can be mature, but we must have the wisdom of God. Watch this now. Pick up back in verse 6. Watch. Yet among the mature, are you? We do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age, not a wisdom of this world, the rulers of this age, that, all that's doomed to pass away. Stop there. Church, listen. According to the Word of God, right here in this verse, only the mature are going to get wisdom because they want it. You cannot be an immature Christian and be wise. Did you hear that? You cannot be an immature Christian and be wise. I tell my kids all the time, when you pray, when you get up in the morning, pray. Listen, this is for anyone. Pray every day for wisdom. Did you know James, the half-brother of Jesus, according to James chapter 1, he says that if we ask God for wisdom, he will give it. You just got to ask. Ask every day for wisdom. Every day for wisdom. But you got to want it. You got to want to go after Jesus. You got to want to go after Him. I'm not talking about a worldly wisdom. I'm not talking about a wisdom that makes you smart. I'm not talking about intellect or IQ. We talked about that last week. We're talking about spiritual wisdom, wisdom that comes from God. And you know what? Part of this wisdom and this understanding have been hidden from the Old Testament saints. Did you catch that? Look at it again in your Bibles. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 7. Watch this. Paul says, but we impart a, here it is, a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Now church, that phrase, secret and hidden wisdom, 
That, that is something that the New Testament often describes as a mystery. This mystery is a sacred secret that was hidden to the Old Testament prophets, the Old Testament writers. You say, well, what is this mystery? Is this some sort of Agatha Christie, Sherlock Holmes type of deal? Is this like CSI? No, it's not that. The mystery is quite simple as it's revealed to us in the New Testament. You know what the mystery is? Us! The church! The mystery is that Gentiles could be grafted into the vine, into the family of God. See, the Old Testament prophets didn't understand that. You, you know what the Old Testament prophets could not see? Us. They couldn't see the church. I want you to look at this chart. This is a great chart. This chart's been around a while. It's by Clarence Larkin. He's a Bible scholar. The Old Testament prophets were divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit to write what they wrote, just like the authors of the New Testament letters. Yet there were times these Old Testament writers didn't even understand what they were writing down. They just wrote it down as it was given to them by the Holy Spirit. Now look at this chart. Watch this chart now. See the depiction of the Old Testament prophet there standing on the left? See the left side of the chart? Th th this prophet, you picked the prophet of the Old Testament. <clears throat> he could see, let's say in the case of Micah, the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. Micah wrote about the birth of the Christ, the Messiah, in Bethlehem. These Old Testament prophets could see all the way to the tribulation. Keep going to the right of the chart, as Daniel saw it. These Old Testament prophets, they could see the Messiah in the Millennial Kingdom. Ezekiel and Zechariah saw that and wrote about it. They could see these prophets like Isaiah all the way to the end, all the way to a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem. They couldn't see us. I want you to look at the chart one more time, and I want you to see the valley. See the valley right in the middle? You see the cross and Calvary to the left? You see that? And in the middle is us. See, for the Old Testament prophet, they thought when the Messiah came, that was it. That when the Messiah came to the earth, that, that it was over. That he was going to go ahead and set up his kingdom. And so we would go right into the millennial kingdom, right into eternity. It's not how it happened, because Jesus had to come. Yes, God chose the nation of Israel for the Messiah, Jesus, to be born into. Jesus from the tribe of Judah. But God, in his foreknowledge, chose us too. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, if you've repented of your sins and called on His name to save you, then you are a child of God. We were singing that. Who am I that the highest King would welcome? Kevin. I was lost, but He brought me in. Oh, His love for you. For me, who the Son sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. I can't fathom that. That I am a child of God. He 
guess I am. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. It makes me think of that old doxology. <laughs> Paul is reminding the Corinthians who they are that they're part of the family of God. He's saying, stop the factions. Stop the cliques. We're all the family. And he described it by way of this mystery that's now been revealed. But church, there were others who didn't understand this mystery. You say others? Yeah, that's verse 8. Look at that. Watch this. 1 Corinthians 2, 8. None of the rulers of this age understood this. This pointing back to the mystery. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Now some look at that and they go, what are the, is, that, is that talking about Pilate? Is that talking about, you know, uh, King Herod? No, 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 no. Who is the ruler of this age, church? Who is the God of this age? You know, eventually we're coming to 2 Corinthians 4.4. We'll eventually get there months from now. <laughs> but I want you to see 2 Corinthians 4.4. Watch this. In their case, the God of this age, God of this world, that's Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You see, church, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, when this was happening on Calvary, Satan and his demonic horde were celebrating. They were chest bumping and high-fiving. They thought they had won. The Sunday morning came, and they were shocked. Which demon do you think came and told Satan, um, excuse me, master, excuse me, sir. See, Satan is not omniscient. He's not all-knowing, and he's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere. He's only at one place at one time. I don't think he was hanging out at the tomb, do you? He was celebrating, and some little demon saw what was happening at the tomb and said, excuse me, master, he's alive. Because if Satan really recognized and understood that, the Bible records for us in verse 8, he would have never pushed so hard for him to be crucified. Think of that. See it again, verse 8. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Hey, church, never forget something. Satan is a pawn. God plays him. Satan is a dog on God's leash, and he can only go. So Satan is like the ocean tides. They can only go so far, and that's how God is with Satan. Whoop. No, that's as far as you can go. God is in control. God uses Satan like a pawn for his glory. Satan only has the power to do what God allows him to do. Yeah, Satan thought he had won on Friday, Jesus hanging on the cross, but Sunday came and Jesus got up, and he conquered death, hell, and the grave, and once again showed Satan that he had won the victory. And just as Pastor Dale prayed, Jesus is in heaven right now, and he's seated, and he has on a crown, not a crown of thorns, 
the victor's crown. Look at verse 9. Verse 9, I was studying this and I'm like, man, is this verse taken out of context so often. Watch verse 9. So many people quote this like it's talking about heaven. It's not. Watch it now. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. But as it is written, this is a direct quote, by the way, from Isaiah 64, 4. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. And automatically, people think, well, it's prepared for them. Jesus said, I go away and prepare a place. They're thinking about it's heaven. But that's not in context. That's not what it's talking about. You say, how do you know? We have to read it in context. So let's look at verse 10. Now we'll get the context. Okay, crank back over. Go back to verse 9. Here we go. Ready? Here we go. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined. That's what Jesus said to the Samaritan woman. You'll begin to believe it'll be from the heart. What God has prepared for those who love him. Here comes verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. When is this going to happen, church? Now! Now! No eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man being able to understand what the Spirit of God reveals to us today. How about that? It's amazing walking in the Spirit of God and experience the presence of Jesus now. Oh, I'm looking forward to heaven. Oh, yes, I am. But I'm a child of God now. And, and he turns these graves into gardens now. Now. Today. You see, when Jesus was talking to the Samaritan woman at the well, he said that the day was coming that we would worship, worship him in what? Spirit and truth. Truth from the head. Spirit, that's the heart. And that's verse 9, the heart. That's the part that says, nor the heart of man imagine. Church, we have so limited what the Spirit of God wants to do in our lives because we have substituted the things of the world so that our hearts no longer long for Him. Look, c come on. Do you long for Jesus? Do you long to be in His presence? We're going to be in His presence. Right now, my phone's, is yours going off? It's 1031. Okay, you ready? Pray with me. Father, we continue to pray it away. We pray for our nation. We pray for our world. We pray for our leaders. We pray for wisdom. We pray for our frontline workers. We pray for those who are sick. We pray for those who are afraid. Lord, I pray that you'll help us as a people. Lord, I thank you for this country. We are the land of the free and the home of the brave. I pray we will not, Lord, be so afraid. But Lord, we'll be cautious and wise, but we won't live in fear. You've not given us a spirit of fear. Lord, take it away. Thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. Church, <laughs> we've been in the throes of this virus now what seems like a year. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Can you say amen? 
But, but I just wonder, are we spending any more time with Jesus now than we were before this mess started in the middle of March? Do you know what I think we're doing? I think we're filling the extra time with Netflix and movies and stuff. And Jesus has literally allowed the whole world to come to a standstill and it's like, it's almost like he looks over the balcony of heaven and is like, I've stopped the world so that you might look to me, but you're still using the things of the world as one of my followers. And you will never find satisfaction from that place down there. You'll only find it in me. And so many of us are almost afraid to go sit along with the Lord. To just go get alone. No phones, no TV, nobody but Jesus. Maybe your Bible, maybe just a notebook and a pen if he speaks and says something to you. But are we, are we actually spending any more time with Jesus? I've had to ask myself that question. Church, maybe Jesus is allowing all of this so that we could reorient our lives and refocus our lives. Are there families still out here that you don't have any time in the Bible? Have you read the Bible together as a family? Hey, Dad, if not now, when, dude? When are you going to pull the Bible out and read the Bible with your family? I don't know how to do a devotion. Look, just do this. Just literally do this and read for two minutes. I'm telling you, the Word of God is supernatural, sharp as a double-edged sword. It'll do the work, man. It'll do the work. Mom, young person, teenager, you're not in school. I mean, you, you've, you've, you're doing your work online, you're doing, but, but you get it. You've got a little more time. I mean, let's just be honest. Everybody's kind of lighting and load a little bit on this deal. I keep hearing all the colleges and universities and schools are like, yeah, because it's such a hard time. It's a terrible time. And so it's like nobody's being like really, really hard in most cases on their students. So maybe you've got a little extra time. What are you doing with it? Jesus died on the cross to give us heaven, yes. But he died on the cross so that we might have an abundant life now. That's John 10, 10. Watch this, watch John 10, 10. The thief comes only, that Satan, to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it what? To the full, abundantly. Maybe you're watching today. Truth is, you don't know Jesus. You know about him. But there's never been a time and a place in your life where you have surrendered your life to Him. And maybe right now, the Holy Spirit is drawing you. Could be a child. Could be a, a teenager. Could be, could be someone that just stumbled across this. We are here for you. We have people sitting in the back of this room on computers waiting to talk to you. Click that link. If you don't know Jesus, we can, we can introduce you to Him right now. We're here to help you. Just click that link. 
I wish I could do it for you. I wish I could reach through the computer screen and do it for you. That I could pull your heart out of your chest and insert the Spirit of God into your heart. If I could, I would, but I can't. Only the Spirit of God can save. It's the Spirit of God who draws us. And that's what Paul begins to share here. He's trying to move the people from the intellect to the Spirit. Oh yes, we must have the truths of God's Word, but it's more than intellect. It's more than just believing in facts that Jesus got up from the dead. Even the devil believes that. It's the Spirit. Watch it. Verse 11. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of God which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, verse 12, but the Spirit, capital S, that's the Holy Spirit who is from God. It, he's not an it. He's a person. He's the third person of the Trinity that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Let me ask you a question. Do you know me you say, yes, we know you. You're Pastor Kevin. You're tall and you're bald and you're kind of crazy and you like Carolina basketball and you like to garden. Yeah, I get that. I'm, 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 that's true. They say you've got four children and you've got grandchildren. Yeah, that's true too. But do you really know me? You say, well, maybe not. Can I be honest with you? You don't know me like I know me. And I don't know you like you know you. Can we go one step deeper? We're not as good as we think we are. Did you know that? Did you know that we lie to ourselves about ourselves? We try to justify the way we're living right now. We are the greatest excuse makers to excuse away what the Spirit of God is trying to say to us. We push Him away and push Him away. We lie to ourselves about ourselves. Why? Because Jeremiah told us. Jeremiah the prophet in Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart, see we're talking about the heart, <laughs> but the heart, oh it is deceitful. It's a deceitful above how many things? All things. And desperately sick. Who can understand it? I'll tell you who can understand it. The Spirit of God. You see there are things in our lives that we do not want to admit we build up things in our minds to salve our own consciences. We seek to make ourselves out to be better than we are, hoping others will believe it. And you know what? If we're not careful, we'll begin to believe it ourselves. You say, what are you talking about? Are you some psychosomatic nut job here? No, I'm just saying we begin to believe our own lies. I'm convinced most of us have what I call selective honesty. You say, what's selective honesty? It's the honesty about ourselves that we want people to think about us, believe about us, but is not true. 
The truth is the Holy Spirit must be allowed to come into our thoughts and divide our motives and break through that facade. I'm not saying that everyone that's out there watching this is fake. Maybe you're not, but I'm telling you, I think I, I'm probably right in saying this. A lot of times we're putting on a, a facade for everyone else, even our own families. But God knows the truth. He knows the truth. After all, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to help us. And see, this is what this passage is about today, church. It's about the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and so many of us, we, we don't even understand the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, what He's even trying to do, because we never get still long enough to hear what He's got to say. And so living the Christian life is, is just about doing stuff. You know, or not doing stuff. Doing good things and not doing bad things. Well, that's religion. That's religion. Following Jesus Christ, He is a person. He is in heaven. And He's alive. And He has a belly button, just like you. And He loves you. Jesus said in John chapter 16, look at, at your screen, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, he was speaking of his own death and then ascension. He said the helper, that's the capital H, that's the Spirit of God will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He's speaking of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus said, he will convict you. Concerning what? Oh, sin and righteousness. And yes, judgment. So you see here in 1 Corinthians 2, the Apostle Paul is trying to remind the Corinthian believers of the role of the Holy Spirit in their lives. They've forgotten this. They've gotten all wrapped up in the worldly ways of Corinth. They've forgotten that they're spiritual people and that they're to be led by the Spirit and not the flesh, not to be carnal, not to be led by their desires and their passions. Has anything got a hold of you like that? Is there anything later today or this afternoon that you know you're going to do because you say, I can't help myself because Satan has convinced you that that has power over you? Oh, Satan is a pawn, but you've got to allow the Holy Spirit to speak into your life to give you victory over that. That's 1 Corinthians 2.13. See it? And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Does the Holy Spirit speak to you? He, 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 he is. Romans 8 tells us that the Holy Spirit bears witness with us that we're believers. And... Jesus tells us that we can recognize his voice. He says, my sheep know me and they recognize my voice. If my wife were somehow in the other room right beside of us behind a closed door and I heard her call my name, Kevin, I would recognize her voice. You know why? Because I know her. So many people, they do not recognize the voice of Jesus. And you want to know why? Because we don't spend any time with him. We got another Disney Plus movie to watch. 
We sit around in our houses during this virus and we're doing nothing any different than before this thing started in the middle of March. Don't let this time be wasted. Goodness. Change your patterns. Break the mold. Or just watch another Netflix movie. Watch another 30-year-old baseball classic game. The Holy Spirit, I believe, is trying to speak to us today. And He uses words to do it. Did you know you're thinking words right now? You can't have a thought without thinking words. Did you know that? That's how powerful words are. Try to think a thought and not think words. Go. We have the Word of God to direct us. We have the Holy Spirit to guide us. And with His Word and with His Spirit, hey, we have power. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. He's delivered me from my grave into gardens. If we could just get out of ourselves and see it. Maybe you need to take a walk in the woods. We've got a creek down below my house. And sometimes I'll just take a five-gallon bucket and I'll just go sit down there at the creek. Me and my son, we've kind of opened it back up and started taking our grandkids back down there. Maybe you don't have a creek. Maybe you've got a room in your house. Maybe you've got a basement or a room upstairs. Go get with Jesus. Watch verse 14. This is for those who might be watching this and, and, and thinking, you people are crazy. Okay, I, I get that. And here's why people think we're crazy. Watch. Verse 14. The natural person, that's the unsaved person. The person that's not a follower of Jesus. Okay? They don't accept the things of the Spirit. They, they don't accept it. It's all foolishness to them. See it? And, 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 and they're not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. So, the, verse 15, but the spiritual person, the saved person, judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. You say, what does this mean? Listen, there's a distinct contrast between the saved person and the unsaved person. The unsaved person can't understand spiritual things. It makes no sense to them. You ever been talking to somebody that's not a Christian and you're like, what is wrong with them? Why can't they see this? They feel the same way about you. They look at us and go, they have lost their mind. See, it's both ways. The unsaved person looks at the saved person and says, they're crazy. The saved person looks at the unsaved person and says, why can't they see this? The difference is the Spirit. The Spirit of God must take the scales from our eyes so that we can see the things of God and understand the things of God. Don't get upset at lost people. Listen, lost people act like lost people. They don't know the Lord. And so when you're trying to talk to them about spiritual things, they don't understand it. They look at you and go, what do you, what do you mean you give 10% of your money to the things of God? That's stupid. Not to the spiritually discerning. Not to the one who gives because the Lord told us to give. 
The unsaved person walks by sight, and they cannot understand people who walk by faith and not by sight. I really think this whole virus thing, we're going to have to get back to that at some point too, don't you? That we start walking by faith again. See, the unsaved person really can't judge us. Th that's what verse 15 says. The spiritual judges all things, but is himself judged by no one. An unsaved person really can't make a judgment about us because they can't understand us because we are spiritual children of God. See, it's the Spirit who gives us the ability to understand. Verse 16, and we're done. For who, see it, 1 Corinthians 2, 16, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct Him? <laughs> we do, because we have the mind of Christ. You get the Spirit of God, you get the mind of Christ. Never forget this, the world can't understand us any better than they understood Jesus. They couldn't figure him out either, could they? And they killed him. And they can't figure us out either. They call us fools, just as they did Jesus. Church, Jesus said to the Samaritan woman that we must worship him in spirit and truth. He said it's not about mountains. It's not about temples or buildings or intellect. It's about the heart. I close this morning. Follow along with me. I'm going to walk over here to this table set for two. And I want you to imagine that Jesus is seated here. I want you to imagine that there's a dinner here. And it's piping hot. Steam is rolling off of it. And I want you to imagine that because of what Jesus did on the cross and that He paid our sin debt, He has set the table for you and for me, anyone who would choose to follow Him. And He's seated here, waited, waiting for you. And I want you to imagine that we're at a really nice restaurant. You know when you walk into a really nice restaurant, who do you encounter first? Who? who? Like a hostess or a host, right? And imagine that you've walked into this restaurant, and it's just you. And the host says to you, what? Come follow me. And so the host brings you to the table. A, a good host might even pull out the chair so that you can be seated. That's what the Holy Spirit does. You cannot be saved unless the Holy Spirit draws you. So the Holy Spirit might now, right this moment, be drawing you, and Christ is sitting there. And so I'll be that person. I allow myself to be seated. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Hi. You say, that's it, right? No. Because this is what happens to so many people. The Holy Spirit convicts and draws people and brings them right to the face of Christ. But in order for us to have this relationship, you know what the Bible says? That He stands at the door and knocks. He's, he's waiting. And in this analogy, do you know what we must do 
pick up the fork. You see, the Holy Spirit can't do that for us and won't do that for us. We're not forced into this. You must choose to pick up the fork and to dine. Will you? Have you had that moment like the Samaritan woman whose life was a grave? And Jesus said to her, it would be good if you believe me. And she, it's him. It's him. This is not about religion. This is not about following a lot of rules and regulations. That will come as a byproduct because you call on Christ and you want Him to enter your life and out of love for Him, you will obey Him. And you will dine with Him. No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man been able to comprehend what this looks like only through the Spirit of God. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Find us at www.mpbc.church and on Facebook at facebook.com mpbcnc. Have a great day, and we hope you'll join us again next week.